Hey, well, welcome back to the Zeitcast. I'm so happy that you're here. And I tell you what, I've already been talking for a bit, catching up with my friend Scott Erickson. He's really a special person to me. And the conversation we've been having is special. I feel like he's just the kind of soul that just sort of breaks you open. So I'm just in the mood because I feel like sometimes it's just the way I can be, maybe because I'm polite or something or another, kind of wade into things. I don't feel like wading into this at all. I'm going to tell you, a lot of you, first of all, you know Scott's work uh, in terms of his art as a touring painter, a performance storyteller, uh, the way that he so beautifully and so creatively uh, well, really curates, he brings so many mediums together. Um, I love all of the ways that, that Scott is able to tell stories. Um, I know it was a significant night for me in a lot of different ways when he came to Oklahoma City a couple years ago on his Say Yes tour. And I want to say more in a moment about what that tour meant to me. But before saying anything else, and I'm not trying to make him blush right out of the gate, but his new book, Say Yes, Discover the Surprising Life Beyond the Death of a Dream. Y'all, I'm telling you, I don't know a higher compliment I could give to a book. I really believe that this is a book that saves people's lives. Like, does it just make your life better? Does it just enrich things? I think this is a life-saving book to read. And I can tell you this has been a life-saving message for me. Um, Scott, you have such a such a beautiful spirit. And um, this is a gorgeous, gorgeous book. And I'm so man, happy to have you here today, my friend from Austin. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Oh, man, that's <laughs> you did make me blush. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it was a, a real it meant a lot to get a just a wonderful uh, message from you on my phone and just being like, you know, because you're it, probably in the same field. We both get sent a lot of books and sure. you know, sometimes it's really hard and it's hard to say to people like I just don't have capacity. So yeah. for you to take the time to read it and be moved by it, express you're like, <laughs> I was crying while I was reading these sections. Oh, um, yeah. Great. And I also think, you know, real <laughs> like you're it is it is our journeys are similar in some senses yes. where it's just like I can yes. see you finding yourself in the pages of this book, Ooh. even though I try to write it for you know, kind of being broad for anybody's experiences, but it's right. like, these are my particulars and those are your particulars too. So yes. I get it. Yeah. it does hit me in some really particular ways. And yet I feel like it's such a universal, um, a universal story too. As I mean, a resurrection story for one, but I tell you, yeah. maybe this is a good place to start. I had the sense reading the book um, that I did when you were touring the say yes dates um, uh -huh. even before which was of, and if anybody needs this context, so you and I, I think it'd be fair to say, I don't know exactly what it is that we do. I don't know exactly where it is that we come from, <laughs> but it's the same. Yes. It, we yes. do something the same and we come from the same kind of people and spaces. So that whatever kind of evangelical-ish places uh -huh. that we come from. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and you yeah. still are very, in a wonderful way, connected with church communities and, you know, yeah. our, I mean, faith is an important part of your work, like all of that. Um, I remember thinking then and feeling it again, reading the book, that it's so real life. It's so mm. tender. It's so vulnerable. It's, yeah. it's so fragile and human in a way that's like, oh, that you so rarely get, and I don't mean that as a judgment, but you so rarely get in those kind of spaces, that in a, in a wonderful way, it's initially shocking, like, oh, 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 
we're we're actually talking about that. We're actually talking about suicide. We're actually talking about the moment where you break sitting on the toilet or whatever. Just the, yeah, just yeah, there's yeah. just a kind of it is just a way that something that in sacred spaces I feel like is all too often lacking of just a really tender, vulnerable. This is real life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, I think that's my superpower, maybe as just as an Enneagram four and as an artist is to just be really authentic and honest, but also like, I'm not trying to like, (laughs) I'm yeah. How do I say this? I, you know, there's nothing that's like, let me set myself up as a deeply spiritual person, but Mm -hmm. like, I, I, for me, I'm like, I want to know if this isn't real or not so I can just move on with my life. But for Mm. me, I found that these stories and these experiences and these liturgies, communities, practices, they are life-giving and they're very real to me. And, um, and I'm always like disturbed or frustrated when I feel like the communities that practice these things aren't willing to go into the hard conversations. Cause I'm like, well, that's exactly what, you should be in because this is where it's necessary. And you know, this, this stuff in this book started off as like a, my own life practices. Mm. Then it became like a bit of a talk and then it became like a show and then it became a book. But Mm. in, when I was kind of putting together the show, like from the talk to the show, I was like, I want to make one of my muses was I want to make a church service about suicide because Mm. I've never been to one. Mm-hmm. And I knew that if it was so boring, like, like a lot of church services are, and you felt like you wanted to kill yourself while you were in it, no, that that no. would be missing the point. And it was kind of that joke that led me to go, oh, it has to be funny. It has no. to be like a comedy and weird and a, a story form and have some art and some singing and all the all the kind of things that uh, – and that's where the liturgy came in. I was like, oh, kind mm. of like a sacred ceremony. It has all of these elements. Yes. And yet it it is – like a church service, but it's not, it's like a show, but it has the elements because I think really like the elements of a liturgy are the elements of human transformation that have stood the time since the human existence. We all know when we tell stories, it changes us when we sing songs or music changes us when we feel like we've been released from our shame or burden that Mm -hmm. transforms us when we share our gifts and help others. Um, that's what transforms us. So it, all of those elements are in the show, but just in kind of artistic ways. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because I was like, I want it to be about these real conversations, which are messy. And and as yeah. I put that together, and there's a big part in the book and in the show, which is just like, and I don't say it in this many words, but like suicide is very confronting to religion because yes. it, conf- yes. at least in Western religion, it confronts the product pitch narrative, which is, mm you're like, Jesus is the answer to your problems. Right. Now, the only, the problem with that is in my experience, when I was deeply depressed and having some suicidal ideation, I was like, I have Jesus in my heart, but that yeah. doesn't make me not want my heart to stop right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, yes. it's not whatever Jesus in my heart means isn't working. Yes. And I've yes. had friends. I had my, my friend Charlie last year took her own life mm. and she, she was somebody I went to church with, you know? So mm. it's like, and we had, I was talking to, uh, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, there was like a string of pastors that all took their own lives. Like within yeah. a year, there was like four. Yeah. And so it's like, 
the product pitch isn't working and nor do I even think that it's supposed to be a product pitch. I don't believe in God because I believe God is the answer to my problems. Mm. Like tooth whitening toothpaste is the answer to my yellow Mm -hmm. teeth or Mm -hmm. weed killer is the answer to my garden weeds. Like God isn't the answer to bad narratives, a limited perspective. I mean, I think God is in the is part of the solution in that, but that's, we got to get more nuance. I just feel like a lot of communities just like leave it at God and don't get into the more difficult things, which is like, we have to talk about how you're forming narratives mm. and what you're mm. saying to yourself. We got to talk about that. We live in a massive culture of comparison. That's right. And that religion has not escaped from. In fact, can just propagate and be a part of two. Yeah. Um, we got, and then, and it was really interesting and in transforming this into a book because it really landed on that last section is about like, what does it mean to be a resurrection? Like, yes, yes. like being somebody who's gone through some kind of death, some kind of ending mm-hmm. and then come out on the other side and, uh, and really going, what is the gift of resurrection? Is it mm. escapism? Because suicide, the conversation and suicide is on a spectrum. So we could say the con- giving up because you, you yeah. can like binge watch something every night or yeah. drink endlessly to numb the pain. Like you can kick out of your life and still be alive. But yeah, but like I was like, uh, I think suicide is a form of escapism, mm-hmm. which, which end times obsession is a form of escapism, Ooh. which, you know, Lord. there's like all these kinds of forms of escapism. But I was like, well, what do we expect mm-hmm. from resurrection? Like, mm-hmm. is it to escape this or is it, and I would say it's a whole new way of seeing all of this. Mm-hmm. And and then, and th- th- this comes out of my Christian tradition is to go, well, is that resurrection available now? Yeah. <laughs> can, like, yeah, can I be right. a resurrection now? Can I receive the gift of a different perspective on everything yeah. now? And then when I started seeing it that, I was like, I think this is what Jesus mm-hmm. is leading us into. I think this is what these saints, women, and men throughout these stories and in the larger church tradition or just our world tradition of people who are faithful are speaking to. And so that was kind of all of those things. Um, so there's a lot of things we just covered there. <laughs> no, it's so, oh, so good. And I mean, I don't, well, one of the things I love most about the book, I love this whole idea and you do that artistically, you do it verbally too, but like this kind of the idea of there just, of there being a spectrum of giving up. And that, mm-hmm. you know, suicide might be the the furthest end, the most extreme end. But yeah. I love that idea of yielding to addictions, wh- whatever, you know, just to kind of check yourself out of your life. How all that just kind of this, where you are in the spectrum of giving up. I don't think yeah. I've ever heard anybody say before. And I love it so much because I believe it's true that for like evangelical Christians in time scenarios is not any different from alcoholism, cocaine, uh, the way other people use relationships or whatever, just a way of numbing and checking yeah. out and not having to contend with your own life. I don't know how to deal. I don't know how to talk to my kids. I don't know how to deal with what's happening in my most fundamental relationships. So um, yeah. escape a scenario. And it's like, it's yeah. not love. I've never heard those things grouped together. And that's so fair. And that's so good. Yeah. Uh, a thousand things that I want to ask you more about, but I just love, maybe to me, it feels so, still so revolutionary and so important because I thought that's so often what people in the church will say. And maybe I'm, you know, this feels important to me now because 
as a person who I do think is kind of an optimist by nature, hopeful by nature, I've also spent the last couple of years, I've dealt with despair on a level that I have not dealt with it before and felt this. And also yeah. like as a person who really does deeply believe in Jesus and whatever judgments anybody wants to render about me or whatever, I mean, like I, I have, I do believe I've had real experiences of God's presence yeah. and the Holy yeah. Spirit and all the things that you'd want to say. But I just feel like so often I still hear people say, man, I hate that you're sad. I uh, hate that you're huh. feeling that way. But you know what? Jesus the, is the answer. And if you'll just trust Jesus, give your life to Jesus, pray to Jesus, whatever, then all this is going is going to go away. I still feel like that's the fundamental posture for so many people. It's like this attitude of so long as you have Jesus, you're going to be fine. And I yeah. just feel like it's an important, like it's important permission for people to, to feel a, a word for people to hear. You may actually have Jesus. You might have a real <laughs> viable connection with Jesus yeah, and not be fine. <laughs> and maybe not be fine. Yeah. This is kind of, it's like the centerpiece in the show. It's like the middle of the show and in the book where I talk about uh, it's this, and for those watching the video, you can see this. Those mm. listening, there's an image of a, it's like a jug that looks like a heart, and it's pouring. But there's this glass moved aside, and I have this line that I say, where I talk about, I talk about this story with like John and Peter and Jesus, mm. and Peter's like, well, what about him? And this kind of like comparison, and and realizing I was like, you could be at the church service doing all of the things, you know, yeah. clapping, singing all the songs, but looking around and going, God, do you love them more than me? Because Ooh, like right. their life looks awesome and my life really sucks right now. And yeah. we're doing the same thing. Yeah. Do you have favorites? Mm. And then my whole thing is to go like, see, love God, you know, John penned God is love. Love wants to pour itself out into you, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you can't receive love if you secretly hate who love made you to be mm -hmm. because this, your body, your life is the only container you've been given to receive love in. And if yeah. you're trying to trade it out all the time. And, and I think there's this deeply sacred spiritual thing where it's like, you can have Jesus, but if you secretly hate who Jesus made you to be, Ooh, yeah, well, you, wow. what does it mean to have Jesus? Yeah, like, like there is no way to experience the love of God except through the gift of your incarnation. Mm. And one of the mm. things that we all have to do, and maybe it takes a long time, maybe it is something that happens more middle aged. You know, the gift of your forties is you kind of receive the gift of yourself. But like, true. we have to go. This is the life I've been given. And I'm going to say yes to it yeah. with all of my vulnerabilities and limitations. But if you're like at the thing, just going, I can't wait till God makes me better. I can't wait right. till God makes me something other than I am now. Right. Like, and, and I'm not saying about transformation. I'm really wary about like, I think, and I got this from my friend, Nadia Boltz Weber, but she's like, cults are built on virtues. Cults, mm. cults are built on like, we're going to make you the best version wow. of yourself. We're going to better, better, better where she's like, I'm in, in with the Christian message still because it's built on grace. Cause it Ooh, just says yeah. like, it's actually mm -hmm. about, it's, it's not about like what you're going to do. It's yeah. about what's being done to you mm -hmm. by God. Mm -hmm. And I, and I have taken that and said, I don't think the goal of your spiritual journey is to make you a better person. I think it's to make you a whole person. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and that holistic nature I think is our, is really what God is doing. But mm -hmm. 
it that is a different conversation than you just need Jesus and it'll be better. Right. Like, right. like I think I think Jesus, the offer the front facing picture of God is part of that holistic thing. Yeah. But that's gonna come into like receiving the gift of our life, receiving, you know, yes. grace in our limitations and our weaknesses, yes. receiving a new set of eyes to see things differently, and then to say yes to the miracle of life that we've been given to walk in. And yeah. that say say yes has a lot of different layers to mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. it, it means like kind of saying yes to where you're at, saying mm. yes to the unique way you can walk forward. But it's also like saying yes to the gift of being alive and existing. Yes. And saying yes to the fact that it's not all up to you and you're in a co-creative yeah. kind of journey. Yeah. And so, and because for me, why I keep in with, I'm not trying to necessarily be a spiritual leader as much as I just kind of think all conversations eventually hit spiritual right. conversations. And sure. so I can't, I just, I'm not going the way of where people are like, there's nothing, nothing and we don't have to talk about it. I'm like, I think that's a component we have to bring yeah. into this conversation because it's, and I, I think I listed in the book where I say, you know, I was working with a therapist and she was like, in order to deal with your depression, you should start some kind of physical activity. So I started mm -hmm. running. But it was on one of those runs. I was like, well, why the hell am I running anyway? It's like, <laughs> I do feel better, but who cares if I just think life is a curse? Yeah. You know, yeah. I had to like yeah. go, is life a curse? <laughs> is life something that's happening against me or is life yeah. happening for me? And am I participating with mm. it? Yeah. Those are the those are the things that we have to get to in well, then how am I going to take step forward in accomplishing something I want to do? You know, there's, there's layers of, from practicality to like meaning yeah. and why and all of that stuff, which I know you know about and probably all of you listening. Oh, well, no, I, you know, and well, first of all, I don't know anything I know about. I feel like it's always way too much up here and not enough. I mean, in terms of being embedded in my life and in my body, I, I, I'm thinking Scott, as you're saying that about how, I don't know, it's just such a, um, <laughs> I love your example about running and then still hitting that existential like, but why am I running? Why is I feel better? But what's the point of feeling better? Yeah, it's it just to me, it just shows how denial of these fundamental questions doesn't work. And it's one of the things I love most about your your book. And I feel like what you've been doing these last few years is forcing people to sit with these things that actually are happening in their soul. These are the real. OK, these are the real questions. Yeah. They're keeping you up late at night. This is this is what you actually wonder about. And it just seems like we just have so many just sort of strategic way forms of denial. I, I don't want to ever, there's no judgment on anybody else's story. I don't know what anybody else is thinking. But mm -hmm. I, my heart was broken all over again when you talked about Anthony Bourdain in the book. Uh, because yeah. also somebody for me, I don't know, I think for anybody who does anything creative, like there's somebody who's just living the life. I mean, who's carved out their own space yeah. in the world is doing something that's utterly new and different and would appear to be having a great time <laughs> like yeah. things. But I just wonder how, how often people get to a place where they feel like they need to kind of end everything because ultimately it's like, I don't know when you, ha when you're forced to wrangle with those questions in private and you feel like there's no, there's no place to vent it. There's no way to talk about it. Uh, honestly, uh, maybe even everybody in your life, and you know that, would tell you, oh, you can't think things like that because your life is great. You have all these things. So then, I don't know, yeah. it just feels like there's so much pain that comes from people just feeling like they have to push these things down. 
You think that's fair? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and with Anthony Bourdain, what hit me and, you know, the movie Roadrunner came out yeah. uh, last year and it gave a little bit of insight. At least, you know, there's nothing like totally about like, this is what he was thinking in that night. So we don't know. But like it, it but it, when he died, I think I was like, it really confronted in me. I was like, he kind of has everything that I want. And mm. if he doesn't even want to be in his life, what makes me think that I would want to be in my life when I got there too? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, and I just knew intuitively that I was like, so you, there's something else than fame, accomplishment, success. Yes. And these are tales as old as time. It's beauty and the beast, right? Like we are, we all know this, but we're like, well, what else should we go for? Right. And I, and I think that there is this interesting mix of like, I'm ambitious and I want yeah. to accomplish things. But I have started to understand and through my practices that I, I'm real, I've realized I was like, but there has to be this internal work as well, because that external destination will never give you the internal scaffolding to That's hold right. it all together. Yeah. So, and you could very much like keep moving, which I think he was doing a lot, which was like, just keep moving all the time and not dealing with like deep, mm -hmm. deep pain and deep, deep things. I, I I do think that like one of the and I know talking about suicides really intense, but we get if we view it as a spectrum, we could take lesser ones with addiction or habits or drinking video games, whatever it is. Sure. Um, one of the first places we have to start with a suicidal ideation is letting somebody share their pain. Mm. Um, yeah. Like that is the place because uh, suicide is an is an internal conversation that you're not letting anybody else in yeah. on. But the but when you can bring it out into the open, mm -hmm. for one, you'll find out others have felt the same way as you. Yeah. And so then you don't feel like, oh, well, other people have gone through this. And then also they others can go, there's ways to navigate what you're thinking. Yes. I think I think like when you are like, I want my life to end, it's not that you want to stop existing, you just want the life you're existing in to be over. Right. You want to change a way of existing. Yes, yes. And there's ways to do that that don't look like you ending your life. Yeah. Um, so uh, so that's really intense to bring it in under the umbrella of suicide. But if we were just talking about like lost dreams or things didn't turn out or like a marriage didn't work out or a kid didn't, you know, work out or whatever it is, like uh the first step is to being able to find solidarity in the pain. And that is the grief. And that's kind of what you're alluding to earlier, which maybe we're just a real culture that's very uncomfortable with letting grief do its, take its time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the Jesus is kind of like, I know you're grieving, but if you just got Jesus, grief would be over. And it's mm -hmm. like, mm, maybe this is, maybe this is the spiritual journey is that's grief right. takes a long time. Yes. Um, but we really need to find that we're we're not alone in that. That there's actually it's probably one of the things that we relate to mostly as human beings is the pain we're experiencing, yeah. of well, loneliness, of of you know things not be the way we expected, or you know particularities of places you find yourself in. Yes. Um, but I would, you know, I like that's part of the book is going. You're. A dream is a version of your life that has no vulnerabilities in, in it. Right. Um, so it has to die because the only way forward in your life is through your weaknesses and limitations. In fact, those become not the things that are keeping you from 
going a direction, but they uniquely affect what takes shape in front of you. Yeah. Um, and for me, I started get tuning in. I was like, I think I'm much more of a performing artist and I'd like to try to do that. Mm. But I found myself at like 40 going, I have kids and I just can't do all the things. I can't be like 18 doing like a 12 minute, right. 12, uh, like a t- midnight spot at a bar yeah. for four drunk people. That's not <laughs> what I can do right now. So I had to go, well, I have to move forward where I'm at now. And I'm going to have these particularities of limitations and and things I have to deal with. Even now when I'm like planning this year for touring, it's like, it's maybe two to three dates a month, maybe. And it's like a Thursday night, you know, I'm like, I'll leave Thursday morning, go somewhere, do a thing, come back Friday, be home for the weekend. Yeah, That's night, maybe not forever, but that's sure. just where I'm at right now. Sure. And it's what I can do because I don't want to lose my wife right. and I don't want my kids to hate me. Yeah, And I don't, and I want to be there for that because those things are just as valuable as, how fun it feels to be successful on a stage, Absolutely. you know, like, so anyways, that we could get into like the, we have to start with our pain because the pain is about so much disappointment about how things didn't work out the way I expected. But then like, but moving from there is like, it gives us a new possibility. It's like, so now that that died, mm. what can you now do that that idea died or that expectation mm. died? What does that free you to do? And I think that's where that's endlessly interesting to me. We're obviously free flowing here, and there's a lot I want to ask about. So this, you know, probably didn't the sequence I would ask this before, but I thought with you saying that, I mean, I think I told you that was one of the sections of the book that really moved me because I feel like I'm 43, ooh, soon to be 44. I was, I think, uh, there's- <laughs> Hey, man, so welcome, ways. I'm 44. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, there's so many ways that I feel like I'm just now figuring out what I want to be when I grow up and- yeah. Um, things that are just snapping into place. And, um, oh, yeah, I, don't, I really don't think I'm this. I think I'm more that. But that, yeah. that exact same process of like, oh, well, I can't, you can't just shift gears. I'm not, yeah. I'm not 18. I can't get whatever. So that, that, that was actually one of the things that really moved me the most deeply is even just your candor about just even dealing with that, that struggle. Like the, the kind of, is it too late? to mm-hmm. shift gears is it too late to be something else than what i've been before or, or i've been known before it's like because I, I think especially the idea is that resurrection it takes the form of a very different kind of dream than what your life has been before well a lot of people like it's maybe not even they couldn't envision it on some level but it's just just scared to death in terms of well a lot has gone into what we've built before <laughs> And the idea of trying to yeah. trying to be something new and and there's yeah. just yeah. It's all this like it, it's just it's just terrifying. Yeah, it's what what the argument told me is it's embarrassing. Mm. It's embarrassing to yeah. start something new when you're supposed to be an expert at this age. Yes, yeah, um, and that's real particular to me. But I said that to somebody, and they're like, "Embarrassing is the perfect word." Yeah, because it is like. And I, I used, I said this a few times in the say yes show. And then somebody told me a story and I was like, "Mm, it's not coming across right. But like, here's my example is like when you, cause my father-in-law does this, when you see a woman or man in their fifties playing at a farmer's market, you're not like that's success. You know what I'm saying? You're not like they are living that dream, Mm. even though they might have so much joy doing it, which my father-in-law does have. Mm. You're not like, oh, to start playing music at 50 
and then your first gigs are at farmer's market, it doesn't, it looks embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and maybe it is to a certain mm. kind of expectation. Mm. I think the real pivot is what is the transformational journey you'd like to go on? Yes. For sure. Yeah. When I started trying to do speaking things more, I for sure did it for five people <laughs> in a uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Five people one night, six mm. people the next night. Wow. Uh, four people in a living room in Southern California. Like I definitely had tiny shows, like yeah. embarrassing shows. But the question in that embarrassing moment was like, well, do you want to do this because of them or do you want to do this because of you mm. or what you believe in? Mm. And I like performed the hell out of those mm. because I was like, I believe this. That helped. I was trained as a teacher in one of our classes. We learned that like teach you're the you're the one who's going to carry the enthusiasm, enthusiasm about what you're learning. You're always the one. And you'll bring everybody on board if you carry that. So mm. I learned that early on. But like, I also do think there's kind of like the, and you know, this is just a metaphor, but I, I it seems like the universe is like, I see what you're tr like, I see what you're trying to do. Hmm. Well, I'm going to give you these very humble starting spots. Yeah, yeah. And we'll just see what kind of character you have yeah. in those. It's like, I think the universe is kind of looking for like, how much do you want this? And, and there's the old, there'll be tests along the way. And then at some point it's like, all right, yeah, there's, a, here's a few more, or here's an opportunity. Here's something you weren't in charge of. That's the unexpected journey that we're going is like, when you set yourself to something, there are so many things like an email or a phone call that you don't know what's going to happen that might change everything. Right. And, uh, you won't, you can't, your calculating mind can't figure that out because it's not up to you. And what I'm submitting is that like the God, the giver of your life has put a path of desire in you to walk. Yes. And that path in the future is very mysterious. When you look in your past, you're like, I kind of see it. I kind of see I'm on a path. Yeah. But as you walk forward, you contribute to that path. Um, unforeseen things will happen along the way. And that is the, the kind of co-creative nature of your mm -hmm. life. The But you can stop walking that path because of your despair, your heartbreak. And these are very real things. Yeah. Also, what's surprising is despair and heartbreak sometimes become the way in which you, they become a vulnerability in which you bring light into the world. Mm -hmm. And that was that shipwreck yeah. lighthouse story that I had yes. in there. Yes. It was like, uh, those are, those become the things. So it's all, it's all very mysterious and trying to like lay it out. There's not a plan as much as like the plan is you have to say yes to yourself. And there's something before you. And I now I feel like I'm just rambling because we're just not, talking about a lot of stuff. Not, but not, there's not, a lot there. I tell you what, though, um, to your earlier point, and I don't mean to like uh, derail here, but it just for no, me, let's pivot becomes so profound. This idea of that any form of resurrection, I'll put it like this. And I, I haven't talked about this in a minute, but for a while, I feel like I was talking about a lot. Probably one of the books that most shaped my life. Catherine Dowling Singh wrote this book, The Grace and Dying, and she was a, hmm. a PhD hospice worker. Interesting, because she's, uh, you know, became Buddhist, but background, but also remained Episcopal. And so she was very interested in the intersection, all those things. Anyway, I walked with hundreds of people through the dying process. And that book is, I mean, I think it's one of those profound things I've read. But for me, this is one of the central insights is that her whole idea of the grace and dying is that um, we, if people are given time to die, if there's actually a dying process, 
that yeah. for all that's so terrible about it, um, when your body starts to sh- shut down and people have to take care of you in these very basic ways that are so awful, yeah. that the reason why almost everybody, whether it's for a short period or long period, comes to this place of just um, unprecedented kind of liberation, like freedom, like whatever, yeah. right close to the end, yeah. is because they're, they kind of go through the path of humiliation in a way to where, I mean, ego is just gone. It's just gone. And, and while you're still kind of fighting it, then it's, then it's hell. But once you're kind of, kind of go through that, where it's like, go through the path of humiliation and actually embrace it. I feel like that's a lot of her idea where the grace in dying comes is that you're kind of past uh, worried about how you're going to look. Yes. Wow. That's, Amazing. I wish I would have read that book before I read this one. <laughs> but I picked up on that from uh, Bronnie Ware, mm. who wrote The Five Regrets of the Dying, a yes, viral yes. blog post that became a book. But yeah. she said, she didn't name it as Path of uh, Humiliation, but that's so true. It's like a death of the ego, a death of expectations. And then on the other side, you're just willing to receive the gift of being here and the gift of being a contribution, everything. Like, and I, that's why in the last part of the book, I talk about having a death practice, which is, is because like, if you were to go, oh, I'm dying tomorrow, mm-hmm. the next meal you would eat, you'd be like, this is so good. Right. Even if it was right. just like a crappy hamburger from McDonald's, because yes. you would be like, what a gift. And then you would notice the light reflecting on the window of your car and you'd be like, yeah. what a gift. Right. And then you would like, somebody would like hug you and be like, what a gift hugs are. Yeah. You would just... Because you knew if you when you knew you were gonna lose it all, you would be like, everything is a gift. Mm. And I think the the wisdom that can come at having a death practice mm. is it, to help change your perspective to see what a gift it is mm. to be to receive the miracle of living. Mm. I agree that the miracle sucks sometimes. Right. It really does. And I I'm a white heterosexual man yeah. and I have a lot of privilege. And so it, the miracle doesn't suck a lot for me at times. <laughs> like right, I understand, I, I'm very aware of that, but like, I think the real question is, is like you could spend your whole miracle hating it mm-hmm. or you could start saying yes to it. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean to say yes mm-hmm. to the miracle of the life you're given? Mm-hmm. And could you start man, that path of humiliation is real strong because could, if you were allowed yourself to go through that, could you receive the gift of being alive on the other side? And what a tremendous way that would be to live. This is what I, hopefully I have another 40 years in me. Um, but, and what I really wanted to know was like, can I take that wisdom that comes at the end of life, that real exuberance of living? And could I try to apply that now? Like, that's what I'm interested in is like, Cause I would like to live that way if I can. Yeah. Yeah. And so what are the elements of what's happening there that we could slowly do there? But man, the path of humiliation, Dude. that's not fun. Dallin, uh, and, and, and that might be something that is like f- happens to you more than you choose. I mean, I you can choose it. to do. Yeah. I believe it's something more that happens to you than something to choose. Just like, you know, I think yeah. a lot of it, like take up your cross. I think a lot of it is like your, a lot of your crosses are kind of chosen for us. Dowling Singh actually, mm-hmm. Uh, takes it that way that when Jesus says, lose your life to find it, which he uses directly to kind of say like that she thinks that's kind of what it is, is 
what would it look like to live with the qualities of the dying while still alive is losing your life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, I'm yeah. endlessly on your thing about even having a death practice. Um, and you've been working on this material, living this material for a while. What yeah. does that look like for you right now? Cause I know, I feel like it's such a fine line between there is a good kind of soberness of, living with the awareness <laughs> of death and like yeah yeah does it lead to nihilism <laughs> yeah. not live like the endless like how yeah. to not like carry that like too heavy i mean you've been you've been carrying that this idea around for a while now so what does yeah. that kind of death yeah. practice look like for you now especially after you've been trying it for a minute yeah yeah it's been a practice that i've had for four years mm. um and it's in the show, it's very theatrical, as show should be. Sure. Um, in the book, it's maybe less theatrical. In real life, it's very mundane. Mm. But what it is, it's trying to, what I would say, get in touch with resurrection eyes, like a different perspective. So some mornings when I know I have a big day with kids, I'll go, what if today is the last day? I hope well. not. But God forbid, what if the last day I have with my daughter yeah. or my sons? And I go, how would I want to treat them on their last day with them? Mm. It just, it, it's, it's not trying to be morbid and like sad, but the reality is like everything we've ever been given will be taken from us at yeah. some point. Yeah. And that's not up to you. And to try to control that is hubris. So it's accepting that, but also going like, but this is how I really just want to treat somebody I love. And yeah. so how can I get in touch with that again? Yeah. So there's like a relational thing. My parents are in their 70s. Hopefully they have more time. But I'm very aware now. I'm like every time I see them, I'm like this is maybe my last time I see them. And even though they have, they're drinking the Kool-Aid from the right in a lot of ways, that's really frustrating to me. Or just the Kool-Aid of mass media. Yeah, yeah. And then we could have plenty of arguments. I just am like, I don't care as much as like, I want to love you and be grateful for your presence in my life. But then, so there's relationally, and then in just like work and stuff, I also go, I'm, you know, and I've worked hard to get to a spot where I can just choose what I want to do. You I mean, I have to make sure it's profitable, but like I, if something comes to me like an offering and I go, okay, this would take like three months to do. If this is, if after this project I died, <laughs> And it was like mm -hmm. the last thing I worked on. Would I be okay with that? Yeah. Obviously, if I was going to die in three months, I wouldn't do anything for anybody. I would just be like, I'm going to travel and look at the mountains and, you know, but I, uh, but what it helps me to do goes, yes, I would be okay with that because I think it's a good thing. Mm. But if I go, no, well, then I go, well, what would I rather been doing? Yeah. And then I go, I would rather have been doing this. Mm -hmm. Then the question is, well, why aren't you doing that now? Right. Why are you ignoring the deepest thing in you? Because yes. that is what is going to bring you to life. Well, I'm afraid. I'm scared. Okay. Okay. Legitimate feelings about something you deeply care about. Yeah. So, but other people who've accomplished things have worked through their fear and stuff. And you're just going to partake in just what other human beings have had to done too. But you need to... I think like this, this book isn't like, I would like you to get everything that you want because there are really expensive movies about that. Like <laughs> Bruce Almighty and Wonder Woman 1984, <laughs> which are basically like to get everything you want is not what you want. Right. That's right. Um, 
But I think what you want is you want to feel the rapturous experience of being alive. Yes. You want to yes. be alive mm. and pursuing and spending time and giving attention to what brings you to life mm. is the best way you can live. Mm. Um, that'll have its own vulnerabilities and complexities and stuff like that. But right. that, so the death practice helps me get in touch with that. Mm. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be a tremendously hard journey. Right. It doesn't mean that it might not turn out the way I expected it to be. Yeah. It, it most likely will not turn out the way I expect it to be. Yeah. But at least I know kind of how I know how to put my foot, one foot in front of the other day by day by day. And when you, and, and, you know, I have another practice in there, which is like, I'm on my way, which brings out kind of gives grace to a longer timeline. Hmm. Like, um, I was telling somebody yesterday about like, I'm a painter mm -hmm. and I bet most of you listening have never painted before. So you've never thought that painters make four versions of a painting. Right. Wow. Like mm. sometimes the assumption is just like eyes roll back in your head. I did it. I'm done. <laughs> and there's a lot of painters who just like work, you know, do one thing and then they're done with it. Um, but if you look in the history of great artworks, there are many practice paintings before the mm. paintings. Wow. When I was dealing with a lot of young artists in this church, because in church people are like, look, I did something and I got a trophy for participating, but how do you encourage artists to be better? I would go, this is great. I want you to do this three more times because I think on the fourth time you're really going to get to something. Yeah. Because nobody's like, they're like, what? Four times? Mm -hmm. Like, I think the same thing is about our life when applying to something. It's like, you tried it once and it didn't work out. Oh no. Why don't you try it four times? Why don't you, Steve Martin did stand up for six years before anything ever like took off for him. Mm. <laughs> like he just went to clubs and did his thing and nobody laughed for wow. six years. Like you don't know what you would accomplish in 10 years. That's if you right. think I didn't do it in a month. Oh no. But if right. you said, well, have you given yourself permission to see what you could do in 10 years? Yeah. My wife is, about to like release a book like apple was like one of the top books this year that we're excited about coming out is mm. her book like that's amazing that is, um, um, she's not an overnight success she has spent a decade working with a friend mm. f you know for five of those years they never monetized their job wow. they just like kept doing it and then it slowly started and now she's my sugar mama but it, <laughs> it's like you don't know amazing to not give yourself to go, what could yeah. I do in 10 years? I say to myself all the time, I'm like, I'm going to make my best work in my 60s, mm. which means I have to make it to my 60s, right, right. which means I have to keep it up for right. 20, you know, 20 something years, right. less than that. Like, because I want to see that greatest work then. Yeah. It, it just goes, you're on your way. Where you're at now is just where you're at now, but you don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't mm. know. It gives, it gives that longer perspective. Man, yeah, that's so good. This is so, oh, I can't, well, as the book is, it's also good for my soul. Like it's like just a bath for my soul. And right? I'm like, yes, yeah, this is so, um, and I think, well, always um, your vulnerability in terms of talking about your own life and how you approach these things and, you know, in terms of your, your art and process is so what makes all this so I think, accessible for all of us. I don't want to backtrack at all, but that was one of the things I did want to make sure I brought up just because for me, this was so, you know, again, to me, part of your gift is the way you're just able to universalize things to express whether in, in words or in, or in mm -hmm. your art to kind of just, well, I know it's all art, but to, uh, to just 
in a portable way. It's like, oh, like that's all there. And uh, so I love so much in terms of, um, I've just gone back to this a lot, even from the show before having the book, but how like when you're trying to um, kind of dig your way out, trying to trying to say yes, how always these, I just love the three arguments so much because they're so like, uh-huh. <laughs> this is what's in everybody's head. And you wouldn't think that's what's yeah. in everybody's head. You'd think it'd be yeah. like, you're imagining everybody, other people are dealing with something like way more, sophisticated yeah. or complex or whatever i just love it so much that nothing nothing's ever going to change you suck and you're ugly and giving up is better than trying dying is better than living and i was like oh i just i just love it because i'm like it's so complete in terms of like that's that's it those are the things yeah. that's yeah. the resistance that's what you're that's always good. hearing when you're kind of in the fog i feel like in most days on some level or another i'm I'm, I'm trying to to drown out a voice that's yeah. in some version of one, if not all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, those, um, those three arguments are like uh, being like a perspective, like the story you tell yourself living in a massive culture of comparison and then kind of like, do I have what it takes? How can I, you know, what happens when things don't work out? Which, you know, talking with you, and this is something that's not really in the book, but one of the things that I'm struggling with, because I think I'm going to go through a little season of this, is that one of the hard things as a creator, creative, and maybe this is a human experience, is the necessity to disappear for a little bit. Wow. The necessity for obscurity. Right. And I think what's really difficult now is because I live in a time where these platforms are like, you need to give us something today or we'll make you disappear. So there's this constant, like, I got to put something up today. I got to put something up today. But like every great artist and creative Mm -hmm. has had times of like removing from, you know, stepping back, going into the silence, the desert, the, the, the background. And, uh, I'm finding that rhythm really incredibly difficult because I actually think that I'm kind of like, I need to maybe do that for a little bit. It's just like step back. And there could probably, if I'm worried about like Instagram posts, I could get somebody to be like, here's all the posts for a month. Go do it for me. You know, I could do that. Um, but I think, I don't know. Do you have thoughts on that? Because there's, some, there's something there, which is like the necessity to, I mean, I think about when, when Roar goes on his hermitages and he said, uh, I, I go away to get in touch with what's real. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, I go, I go into a hermitage to get back in touch with the real. And there's a thing about that. I, I just, thought, I know uh, the audience doesn't know, but we talked about a little bit about you kind of like disappearing for a yeah, little yeah, bit. Sure, and I right, was yeah, like, yeah, yeah there's that. That is also something that maybe happens to you. Well, I think like, that's right. Where you feel kind of, where it just it's kind of a lot. I mean, so much I think of like life happens to us, but man, I'm just so, it's interesting because, like, I don't want to give a, not, a thought there that's not constructive because, I mean, I so believe in it. Like, I've, I mean, I started probably in my early 30s where I would intentionally seek out silent retreats a couple times a year and blah, blah, blah. I'm doing less of that than I ever have. It's harder to do than it's ever been. So it's not like, oh, yeah. I found that practice and now that's going to sustain me or like whatever. I, what I'm noticing and I think is the unique challenge of this moment. And, you know, it's interesting, like even I, you, you just drive by using the example of social media, like, well, I guess I could farm out my Instagram post. Isn't it funny that even the way the algorithms 
work now, the way the machine works, it's like that the, oh, um, oh Lord, I think it just, problem saving local backup of audio. But it's, it looks like it's still recording? Yeah, it looks like it's still recording on my end. Okay, well, hopefully, it's telling me I'm going to have to free up more space. But I think, I'm thinking that since this is in like a cloud, that hopefully well, that means it will still, it will exist. Yeah. So, okay, we'll, get, we'll just be able to edit this. Um, but I, it's just so, I'm fascinated right now, by the way, that I feel like literally the message, like the machines, like what everybody's contending with is, oh, well, if you go away, if you take that time, you mean you didn't do reels this week? Well, now you're not <laughs> going to be able to get your work out to anyone. No one will see anything that you do. So good yeah. luck with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just yeah. like the pressure has never been more direct of like, yeah. we, if the idea is you have consistency, 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 the algorithm rewards consistency, you have to keep putting yourself out there or no one's going to see it. We'll make sure no one sees it. <laughs> yeah. and, in the, and in the midst of that, to be telling people like, no, like you need to be able to step away. Uh, you can't constantly, you can't be output, output, output all the, all the time. I just thought that's never been a more countercultural message than it is in this precise technological yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah. And, and all of that's driven by dollars, advertising money. So it's not even, you know, it's like a way to connect as human beings, but we're going to force right. this non-human rhythm on you. Yes. Um, and it's exhausting. I was talking to somebody who lives in LA and they're, they know lots of like influencers and they're like 100% of all of them are like, it's so exhausting. Mm. I'm so exhausted of just trying to put something up all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, which we could decide as a society, we don't want to do this anymore, sure. which a lot of people, which a lot of people are. That's true. But I do, but there is this, you and I are like, yeah, but we want, we're making stuff and uh, the reality is, is you won't get a book deal if you don't have some kind of audience that's, that's looking right. at what you're doing. So I, I think there's a, I mean, all I'm just trying to, I'm just navigating that for myself right now. This is not, I just was yeah. curious if you had thoughts on it, but that's so true about the rhythms and stuff. I do think maybe it's maybe less of like, maybe there's times in your life where you go away for like half a year yeah, yeah. or a year. Yeah. Maybe there's times you just go, hey, every month I need like three or four days. Yes. Or, you know, yes, yes. and that is maybe the, I mean, God forbid we would just have a Sabbath, right? But like, <laughs> like it's just, it's it's more of those kinds of, um, I think in the larger thing about like with tying into this book, this is not a non sequitur. I just think like sometimes you're in seasons where you're being asked to disappear. And then sometimes, uh you're in seasons where you are asked to appear. Yeah. And those, that's also something you need to be attentive to um, because that's happening as well. So I think it's, well, and because I didn't mean to just say something that sounded pessimistic, pessimistic or something, but I think that where it really comes full circle for me of things you talk about in the book is that yeah. <laughs> one, some of the stuff we talk about, Catherine Dowling sings Grace and Dying and all that is that I feel like now more than ever to take that kind of time and space is going to feel like a simulation of dying. Uh, you know? Yes. Because it's like to go. And I, I think I've experienced somewhat that way that like to go away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, well, you know, to what is it to be, that sounds so morbid. What is it to be dead than to be forgotten? Oh, and you do. It's like, oh, oh, I'm sort of watching the world move on without me. Though the world does go on without me. 
that's this is that's not fun for a moment but i think there's a way that it's also liberating of like oh the world goes on without me i think there's something of that that we actually need to see yeah oh man well that movie coco that disney pixar you know that's like there's two deaths you physically die but then you really disappear when the last person who is alive forgets you yeah that's when you ultimately die so it's in there it's like it's not even physical death it's like the deeper fear of death is when nobody remembers you right (laughs) and that is like stepping away feels like initiating that deeper death not the physical death but the deeper death of like being forgotten yeah Ooh, I got to think about that one for Jeez, a bit. I know, like, that ah. is... <laughs> so on that note. <laughs> on that note, everybody, enjoy your latte. <laughs> Man, seriously, though, I just think, but even this, it is funny how even the heaviest stuff to talk about with you, and I felt that way in the book, feels light. Yeah. Because, precisely yeah. because it's like, ah, yeah, that's that's the real stuff. That's actually what, that's what, what, that's what I need to hear. That's what's happening in my soul. These are the... Yeah, that's where I feel like just being—you can just feel the permission. I feel like on these tour dates of uh, in the room, yeah. people being able to breathe and like, oh, I'm not the only one, I, and it's and it's okay. It's okay to be in a yeah. to be immortal yeah. who's dealing with questions it's of okay to be immortal, exactly be alive and flourishing and like, yeah, 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 oh, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that that's that was my goal is trying to make something that feels like. Oh, oh, me too. And then also, oh, like you too. We can talk about this here and then yes. something that's helpful along the way. Um, and fun. And how do you talk? I mean, the, my favorite things, the hardest things are best. The hardest things talked about are best received through a joke and that's through a story right. and through, yes. you know, a time like that. And so I wanted yes. to offer that. I want to participate in that. Mm. So, yeah, there's that. Well, I, I hope to keep it. doing it. And yeah, but I'm glad you got to be there for that one and uh, and to see the book and it's been a fun journey. Well, and I'm gonna keep this book again. I can't. I will keep and I will keep saying. It. I think this is this is the kind of art that like keeps people alive. It makes you want to be here. It makes you want to say yes to one more day. Yes to what's next. Yeah. Yes to your own life. I I don't know what could be a higher function, uh, higher vocation for any art than to make you want to say yes to your own life. Uh, and so thank you for being yeah. out here doing this for us, my friend. It really, it, it means so much more than you know. Oh, man. Well, thanks. I received that. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate so, it. So grateful for you in this conversation. We have to do this again soon. Yeah, we will. We will. In person or on this again. Absolutely. We'll yeah. What's the best way for people to stay connected with what you're doing and what's happening next and all that? Uh, well, I'm most active on... Um, Instagram. I mean, I'm Scott the Painter on all socials, so I try to tap into each one of those. Although there could be horrible things said about me on Facebook, and I have not checked in. I know. I find out like six months later. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Aunt Susie's not hated me for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm there. And then uh, the book is available everywhere, but I'm also trying to do a number of show dates this year to kind of finish off this work. My goal is to like film it really well. And then I'll be like, here's a book, here's a video. And then I have some other things I'd like to move on to. So I'm coming to a city near you. So yes. just keep track on Instagram. And I even have like a uh, an email list you can get to. But yeah, there you go. Brilliant, my friend. Well, thank you so much. And as always- Thanks, Jonathan. It's been fun seeing you and talking oh, with you. So good to see you. Love you so much. And I uh, can't- Love wait you to too so much. Soon. <laughs>